What's up, everybody? Welcome to Blue Nard Power. This is Gabby and KT. And we're back with another episode. Uh, this is probably gonna be the final part of our reading of Blood in My Eye. Thank you, everybody, uh, for sticking with us, and we hope you've enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're gonna get in and we're gonna get out, and uh, yeah, all right, KT. Uh, yeah, so we're on page 186, um, the second paragraph. During the nationalist period of the collective oppressed mentality promoted by the establishment, the movement is frozen static. This is the level of development favored by the oppressor, the artless, empty ideals of the pseudo-nation, love and respect for a flag, a nationalistic song or beat, the fervent belief in a bond or organization which arises out of a thwart longing for real community. The establishment does everything in its power to ensure that revolutionary rage is redirected into empty outlets which provide pressure releases for desires that could become dangerous if allowed to progress. At this stage in the development of monopoly capitalism, there are two alternatives, aggressive revolutionary activity or calcification. Conservative society, black or white, is decadent society. Due to the absence of creativity and movement, conservative society always burns itself out. Your letter got right at the heart of that principle. The whole ideal of cultural nationalism has been all but smothered now. It was basically contrived out of the loss of community and the terms of the oppressive contract, coercive conformity, and the indulgent flexibility to the demands of hierarchy. But we must all realize that the oppressive contract cannot be broken as long as any sort of hierarchy exists to perpetuate the sensitized relationships of American tribalism, classism, and racism. Society is rendered impossible by such relationships. The establishment of society through intercommunalism will require that the social contract be completely altered. Clearly, alterations cannot take place unless hierarchy is destroyed. Can we expect the hierarchy to do away with itself? No. Yeah, that was good. Then the real undertaking at present is the unconditional freeing of the people. We plunge beyond ideological debate before this immediate task. The black man and the black female must be, as I have mentally ordered things, completely joined together in the act of liberation. I accept my black mama with all her fears for my life that border on hysteria at times. But I also realize that it is the quote-unquote role of the living of all the innocent to discover utarian practice and conduct and move against the institutions that close on the oppressed. Those who have more regard for their own egos or self-interest than they have for building a united progressive left, and those who abandon community altogether in favor of petty interests, are in direct opposition to our real interests. They are attempting another form of escapism. They're fleeing the objective conditions of their real life and will eventually reach the ultimate contradiction of facing their father or brother or old classmate, comrade, or wife over the barrel of a gun. Or they will, or they will find themselves in no man's land, cast out by the people, suspected by their crimes, partners. But regarding the crisis just passed in the party, as Huey Newton reminds us, there is always a positive side to each negative. The confused resentment and reverse racism of the black partisan will eventually lead to a new, more productive and creative contribution. Already we realize 
that there is no split in the party, only a defection. The party has come out of it stronger. We can now bring our strategy and tactics into a realistic conformity with our total objective situation. Recall we discussed Jonathan and guerrilla strategies in the urban situation at length over that piece of paper with circles and lines, arrows and question marks. I guess now that he is dead and the guilty are safe from the muscle of his mind and arm, it is safe to reveal some of his thoughts and functions within the matrix of the party and movement. He felt as I did that the military and political branches, through married and purpose and direction, and these opening stages should function separately from each other for very obvious reasons. In underdeveloped countries, the establishment's military strike forces are not more than 30 miles down a dirt road in the provincial capital. They're always within a few moments of strike. The urban guerrilla, however, can mingle with the enemy and remain invisible and invulnerable. In our present situation, there is no contradiction between the military thinking and action and the primacy of politics. The situation allows for such activity as the August 7th movement because it can be accomplished without giving the enemy state forces the pretext they need to move in and destroy the political apparatus under the very convenient and much-used Anglo-Saxon Anglo-Saxon conspiracy laws. The primacy of politics will continue as long as the military reads, picks up, and works well within the prevailing political matrix. So Jonathan's raid on the military and judiciary that Friday was at once an expression of his own aggressive consciousness and that of the party. It is easy to infer all of this in retrospect that Jonathan was head of a clandestine army which saw the Black Panther Party as its political leader. Operating on his own, he was able to at least attempt to support some of the minimum demands of the people without placing Huey Newton and David Hillard in jeopardy of loss of movement or death, i.e. persecution in courts. That is our only recourse at the present level of development. It's too obvious to dwell, to even dwell on. It will not be possible, however, in the advanced stages of revolution. Just a glance at the present level of consciousness and the status of the survival infrastructure will reveal the error of Clever's, Cleaver's analysis that no separation should exist even now between military and political cadre, between military and political action. You know, I sent him a message suggesting that unitarian conduct depends on a principal discipline and submission to democratic centralism instead of the egoism that sent him first against his Muslims through the Sacramento Bee Pig press that time. Then against the Peace and Freedom Party, even against the progressive elements of the CP through his unreasoned attack on the magnificent Angela Davis. Recently, he has even ta- attacked the dedicated, overworked, and brilliant Charles Gary. This seems to be a pattern with the man. You recall the attack he launched against Fidel in Cuba and those accounts that seem disparaging of his hosts which have reached the pig press here from time to time? My personal message to him was mild, considering that, in fact, leaving his old comrades open to attack again. I sent a letter reminding him that his behavior while in prison was far from exemplary and had that section of it signed by Ulysses McDaniel and Clifford Jefferson, two of the oldest time in and most respected black partisans in the California concentration camp system. I then listed some of his behavioral patterns since his release 
a more complete list than the one just given, that did not indicate that he had changed much. I finally asked him simply to show proof now that he was not a compulsive disruptor or agent provocateur. A very mild request, I feel. He returned very, with a very scrilious and profane set of invectives. In short, a piece of vendetta. Tell him that even 7,000 miles, the walls of prison, steel and barbed wire, do not make him safe for my special brand of discipline. Tell him that the dragon is coming. The structured prison movements are gaining momentum. My trial is set for early August 1971. There'll be hearings in between, of course. If they are at all like the last, you'll get to see my special bastardized style of martial arts. I'm working hard to stay in form. I wasn't at my best at the last showing. I'll clean them all next time they attack. Attend, let me see your style. Your comrade in arms, quote, He who does not fear the death of a thousand cuts will dare unseat the emperor. George Jackson. And that's it. There is an afterword. Okay. Statement by Huey P. Newton, servant of the People Black Panther Party at the Revolutionary Memorial Service for George Jackson. Power to the people. Power to our fallen comrade, Brother George Jackson, member of the Black Panther Party. First, because many people are wondering, I would like to explain the connection between Brother George Jackson and the Black Panther Party. When I went to prison in 1967, I met George. Not physically, but through his ideas, his thoughts and words. He was at Solidarity Prison at the time. I was at California Penal Colony. George was a legendary figure throughout the prison system, where he spent most of his life. I met George through his spirit. Shortly after learning about him, I got word through the prison grapevine that he wanted to join the Black Panther Party. At his request, he was made a member of the People's Revolutionary Army with the rank of General and Field Marshal. He was put in charge of the prison recruiting and was asked to go on with his life as a revolutionary example, which was the most important thing that one can ever do, because that cannot be killed. I say that the legendary figure is also a hero. George Jackson was my hero. He set a standard for prisoners, pol political prisoners, for people. He showed the love, the strength, the revolutionary fervor that characteristic of any soldier for the people. He inspired prisoners, whom I later encountered, to put his ideas into practice, and so his spirit became a living thing. Today, I say that although George's body has fallen, his spirit has gone on, because his ideas live. And we will see that these ideas stay alive because they'll be manifested in our bodies and in these young Panthers' bodies who are our children. So it's a true saying that there will be revolution from one generation to the next. This was George's legacy and he will go on. He will go on into immortality because we believe that the people will win. We know that the people will win as they advance generation upon generation. What kind of standard did George Jackson set? First, he was a strong man without fear. Determined, full of love, strength, and dedication to the people's cause. He lived a life that we must praise. No matter how he was oppressed, no matter how wrongly he was done, he still kept the love for the people. And this is why he felt no pain in giving up his life for the people's cause. The state itself sets the stage for the kind of contradiction or violence that occurs in our world. Particularly in prisons. The ruling circle of the United States has terrorized the world. 
the state has the audacity to say that they have the right to kill. They say they have a death penalty and it's legal. But I say the laws of nature that no death penalty can be legal. It's only cold-blooded murder. It spurs all sorts of violence because every man has a contract with himself to keep himself alive at all costs. Legally, the state can only confine somebody, subject to correction at a later date. Even if the leaving open, leaving open the possibility of rectification. But of course, with the death penalty, with the kind of violence that we see in our community, where the police are always the executioners, we don't have this chance of negotiation. They have the audacity to say that people should deliver a life to them without a struggle. None of us can accept that. George Jackson had every right to do everything possible to preserve his life and the life of his comrades, the life of the people. Even after his death, George Jackson is a legendary figure and a hero. Even the oppressor realizes this. To cover their murder, they say that George Jackson killed five people, five oppressors, and wounded three in the space of 30 seconds. You know, sometimes I like to overlook the fact that this would be physically impossible. But after all, George Jackson is my hero, and I would like to think that it was possible. I would be very happy thinking that George Jackson had that strength, because that would have made him Superman. Of course, my hero would have to be a Superman. And we will raise our children to be like George Jackson, to live like George Jackson, and to fight for freedom as George Jackson fought for freedom. George's last statement, the example of his conduct at San Quentin on that terrible day, left the standard for political prisoners and for the prisoner society of racist, reactionary America. He left the standard for the liberation armies of the world. He showed us how to act. He demonstrated how the unjust would be criticized by the weapon. And this will certainly be true because the people will take care of that. George also said once that the oppressor is very strong and he might beat him down. He might beat us down to our very knees. He might crush us to the ground, but it will be physically impossible for the oppressor to go on. At some point, his legs will get tired. And when his legs get tired, then George Jackson and the people will tear his kneecaps off. But first, the state sets the scene for such violence, you see. And some people say that we can't get rid of this kind of physical conflict with more of the same. Well, I would say the issue with this, we can use the example of the oppressor stopping George Jackson down to his knees. He can't go on. We will retaliate with violence against his violence. It's true. They will be hurt by his violence, but we're determined not to let him wipe out the people. We know that he cannot wipe out the people because we will fight on. We will tear his legs off. We'll tear his head off. And we'll take the example from George Jackson. In the name of love and in the name of freedom, with love as our guide, we'll slit every throat of anyone who threatens the people and our children. We'll do it in the name of peace if this is what we are forced to do. Because as soon as it's over, then we have the kind of world where violence will no longer exist. So we'll be very practical. We won't make statements and believe the things the prisoner, prison officials say. They're incredible stories about one man killing five people in 30 seconds. We will go on and live very realistically. There will be pain and much suffering in order for us to develop. But even in our suffering, I see a strength growing. I see the example that George set living on. We know that all of us will die someday, but we know that there are two kinds of death, the reactionary death and the revolutionary death. One death is significant, the other is not. George certainly died in a significant way, and his death will be very heavy, while the deaths of the ones that fell that day in San Quentin will be lighter than a feather. Even those who support them now will not support them in the future, because we're determined to change their minds. We'll change their mind, or else in people's name, and we'll have to wipe them out Thoroughly, wholly, absolutely, and completely. All power to the people. 
So, um, wow, that was good. I want to look up, I looked up how he ended up dying. So it says, on August 21st, 1971, Jackson met with attorney Stephen Bingham at San Quentin Prison to discuss the civil lawsuit that Jackson had filed against the California Department of Corrections. After the meeting, Jackson was being escorted by an officer back to his cell when the officer noticed a metallic object in Jackson's hair, later revealed to be a wig, and ordered him to remove it. Jackson then pulled a Spanish Astra 9mm pistol from beneath the wig and said, Gentlemen, the dragon has come, a reference to Ho Chi Minh, which was a Vietnamese revolutionary. Um, it's not clear how Jackson obtained the gun, but Bingham, who lived for 13 years as a fugitive before returning to the United States to face trial, was acquitted of charges that he smuggled a gun to Jackson. So his own, uh, his own lawyer gave him the gun. Jackson ordered the officer to open up all the cells, and along with several other inmates, he overpowered the remaining correction officers and took them, along with two inmates, hostage. Five other hostages, officers, and two white prisoners were killed and found in Jackson's cell. Three other officers were also shot and stabbed but survived. After finding the keys for the adjustment center's exit, Jackson, along with fellow inmates and close friend Johnny Spain, escaped to the yard where Jackson was shot dead from a tower and Spain surrendered. So, he went down with the fucking fight. Mm-hmm. He went down with the fight. And this was on, this was like less than 20 days from the end of his book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it kind of was similar to his brother Jonathan, the way he was just like, fuck it, I'm finna. Yeah. Just get it popping and get it done. And, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people who talk, there's a lot of people who have great words. There's not a lot of people who have literally said, like, I'm in this for real. Like, I'm literally right. willing to give my life. And dude was on to a lot. And you see, like, towards the end of it, like, everything that he was talking about is why I'm so frustrated with these these actors and these detractors. Like, mm-hmm. so frustrated, like, blood boiling. Because they literally are doing exactly what that man said. Like, they are literally distracting us from what we see, what we know, and they're still telling us that even after all these years, that voting still voting works. Mm-hmm. This man was saying then voting didn't work, and and that was and now we have the Civil Rights Act. But uh, Obama became president. All this wonderful stuff that's supposed to have changed the world, and nothing has changed. And people don't read or they don't care because they're I think fake. they don't care. And, and, and they're detractors, and that's their job. But dude was talking about the fascism that was going on back then. But nobody listens, and nobody cares. It's only fascism now because Trump was, in, was the president, and it, these Republicans are, are just being loud and proud. Now, now, now it's fascism. And all this other stuff. I just, I it's know. been fascism, I think, yeah. I mean, you're totally right. It's like they just all of a sudden started thinking, fascism is here because it didn't affect them, to be honest. Like, that's really what it's about. It didn't, it didn't materially affect their lives. They were in a perfect spot. They were happy. They could go about their little cookie-cutter house and their cookie-cutter life and didn't have to face any type of oppression or any type of pain or suffering. But when you live 
a life of pain and suffering or whenever you are constantly confronted with the oppressor and you're constantly confronted with what's going on in this world, then you're ready to get shit popping off. And, and uh, yeah, the people like the bad actors and stuff, like, they... They played into the okie doke, mm-hmm. and their job was to convince us of the okie doke. Just like pride and everything. Because these corporations march in pride, you were convinced, they convinced you that all the fighting was over. Yeah. That there was nothing to be liberated from anymore. The liberals got on board. You, these corporations that are working you to the bone, that are already exploiting your labor, they will let you march in a parade. Therefore, there's nothing to be liberated from. Black people, there's nothing to be liberated from. You're on television. You had a black president. You are represented. In the media. There's nothing, there's rappers, there's basketball players. There's nothing to be liberated from. And this this is the stuff that they, that they fed us and they continue to feed us. And some people still believe this for some reason. I don't know. But, yes, like... The fight is... The fight still hasn't even gotten started. It, it, and that's what's frustrating about it. Never stop. Like, all these old people that still... That's over here getting awards and claiming they was fighting for civil rights. And they... All these political leaders from back in the day that's uh, old and can barely walk. None of them people was about that life. Because how many of them people actually took George Jackson's words and was like... I'm really finna do something about this. I'm going to continue doing something and using this man's words and all these other revolutionary people and get something popping. None of these folks that's alive. Not one. No, the that's the thing. That's what we have to remember, you guys. It's like, if you are against the United States government in any sense of the way and you actually do some kind of, like, physical attack at them, you're not going to live to old age. You have to be quiet to live to old age. You got to stay uh, in the shadows in order to live to a, an old age unless you become a, a detractor, someone who is going to work for the state. And, and you, could be in, you could be effective in the shadows and you could just be real uh, you know, smart and cunning and get stuff done in uh, underground like he was talking about. But nobody did that. You could, look at yeah. us now. Nobody did that. Nobody did it. And that's why we're that's why we're here right now. And everybody just acting. I don't know. Long story short, this is a great book. And Wonderful book. And it's great at just putting things in per, to perspective. And when you think about how long this book, how long ago this book was made, it'll make you depressed because it's like nothing got done. Like they could killed everybody who was even trying to do something like this and left everybody else. And the people that was left alive were so scared shitless, they dedicated their life to erasing all of this stuff and making us think this stuff was good. And so that's why we're here. I mean, we're here. We have the knowledge. There's no reason. But we need to be throwing this in people's face, throwing this book and shoving it in people's faces just for the rest of eternity, especially with this election coming up. It's it's over with. Like people have already started back going to this same shit that they were seeing 
the last yeah image. i already seen somebody like on twitter talking about i don't you know i don't i don't care about this two-party system i know it's not a two-party system but you know if um that texas governor if he um becomes a uh a presidential candidate i'm definitely voting for the democratic people like y'all are literally being caught up in the okie doke like that the united states government is a corporation at the end of the day and they're doing marketing right now to figure out which candidate is going to get you to vote democratically or get you to vote uh in order so that they can make even more money but yeah all of this is is contrived like even like all this stuff about Ron DeSantis, everybody, oh, Ron DeSantis, I, I, I don't give a fuck what you think. I don't care what you think about the two-party system. If you don't vote, you are complicit with fascism. Yeah, like, y'all are so, like, I hate, I hate, it's almost like fake. Like, everything is so manipulated. Yeah. It's so, like, I just wish people would just, oh, this sounds so generic, but I just wish people would, like, open their eyes. And like actually look at what history has taught us. They like look- they they literally say that. Like that's some generic thing that people have taken and not really applied to anything, but history does repeat itself. And it's repeating itself over and over and over because you guys refuse, refuse to actually look at it and see what we can learn. And see what we can change. You got all of these non-profits that are just fake. You got all these people on Twitter fake who just talk all the time about, we need change, let's get change. Well, do the fucking work in order for change to happen. No, the work is doing the campaign. That's the work. No. Like, look at history and really look at it. Don't look at what you are, uh, only you think you know. You need to read all of it. But think about this, too. Think about how, like, let's think their line of thinking, the liberal line of thinking. We live in a world. We live in America. Okay. <laughs> we live in a society. And um, we have a government. And the government, um, we can decide how we want our lives to be lived by just uh, picking somebody. Petitioning the government. And they'll, And they may... Or may not do what it was they said they do. But see, you already thinking outside the box because liberals, their thought process is that, well, they said they're going to do it, so they'll do it. But if they don't do it, then what? We'll vote somebody else. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's just that's that, what I'm saying. So it's a never-ending cycle of just just being helpless and hopeless. To me, that's really the most help. It the really hopeless, is uh, position to still be playing in this system. They'll say we're hopeless because we're seeing things for reality. You literally are so hopeless that you're going to continue to live in this uh, abusive-ass relationship with the Democratic Party for the rest of your life, never see any change, literally give your life and your time and your energy to these campaigns and all these people just to get let down again. I'm sorry. (laughs) I have too much love for myself. If I don't allow that in my personal relationships, why in the world would I allow that for the damn government? That is not... What do they call us? What is it? Nihilist? Nihilism, basically, where we're just like, oh, there's no hope in the government. Like, you're totally right when you say that. Like, how can you just sit up here and just repeat the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result? No, and the, then and then say that's hope. We have hope for the future. No, the different what result is hope? the different result is they'll say you need to go and you need to vote. You need to run for president, or you need to vote for people who who have your values, and you need to give people already did that. 
You want, you, they already did it. Bernie Are Sanders? you not doing that? Like, do you really hate yourself so much you don't think your vote is or no. important? Or Bernie Sanders? Do, do we forget what happened when, when <laughs> Yeah, he that didn't work. <laughs> they'll, just, they'll just put my money into the other person. Like, I don't know. But long story short, what I'm saying is, people are finna go back to Oakdale. They do it every time. They did it after Trump, and all of a sudden, we need to vote for Biden. We know he's terrible and everything, but we just don't want Trump in there. And now Biden is here. He ain't gave us shit. We gonna pay them loans again. You didn't get your increase in the minimum wage. They had to pay that child tax credit thing back. They had to do all this other stuff. He didn't do nothing, but we still gonna have to vote for him again because... We, we, just we might have, um, to. we might have somebody who is um got an R by his name instead of a D, even though they're the same party and even though they're all being donated by the same corporation. Here's my thing. Like, what, I, what is the one I want to know from the Democrats? It's a joke. Is the one I know want to know from the Democrats is okay? They're scared of the Republicans, right? Because the Republicans are going crazy. They're not. That's a a uh. That's like okay. This is genuinely how I see the Democrats and Republicans. It's like a drama television show. Well, I'm not talking about the politicians. I'm talking about these people that like be on Twitter, like these blue. Oh, okay, people. okay, yeah. They're scared of the Republicans because the Republicans are being terrible. You know, they're stopping the books and they're doing everything, but they already have the president because they said that's who we needed to stop the fascism. So how come Joe Biden ain't open his mouth? How come he ain't brought the National Guard down? How come he isn't every day chastising them people and saying you're not going to do this? You are going to uh, treat everybody equally? Like, isn't that the job of the federal government? But here's the thing. My thing is, even if he does do that... I don't think it fundamentally matters. Like, he can set up here. It's just like him saying the things about, like, I saw somebody on Twitter talking about how Joe Biden was like, we're inclusive and we care about trans people and we care about this and we care about that. Like, just because you say it don't mean that it fucking means anything. But that's anything. what I'm saying. I'm saying he hasn't gone, he can do something. He hasn't gone there with the National Guard. But he's guards not, right. Like, like they did with, in the Civil Rights era, which was still one shit. But still, he ain't even did that. Yeah. But they said that we need him in there to stop the fascism. So if he can't stop it, why would I vote again for somebody? Especially him. He's running again. That's too much critical thinking. You've 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 went past the liberal thinking skill. As long as gay people can get married and fit into the cis heteronormative. Y'all remember we um, did that episode last year? The patriarchal things, and you'll be a rock. Y'all remember we did that episode. We're, last we're talking year. about gay stuff because it's Pride Month, y'all, and uh. We're big gays over here, so. But y'all remember we did that episode last year. We went to that event. We went to that exhibit thing. And this was before, like, the quote-unquote crackdown of this year. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how they pretty much just said, gay marriage is here. Everything's good. Everything's peachy. Everything's clean. And we were just roasting them people because we were like, it literally is not. And those are the same liberals now. I mean, we I guess the midterms had, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why now it's like, oh, it's because of like specific states are um, going about like Arkansas, for instance, um, their governor like tried to shut down trans rights and there was a bill like it's because there have been bills that have pushed out. But to be honest, I feel like those are distractors and it's just a way to get people riled up and ready to vote. Like, yes, it's <laughs> at like the end people, of the day. That's it. It's like uh, it's like a. Uh, uh, Few years back, they were like, I will be the one to repeal Obamacare. I'll be the one to vote against Obamacare. I'll be the one to overturn Roe v. Wade. I'll be the one. You yeah. know, it's, it's just, it's it's a, 
a marketing thing on both sides. Yeah, of course. Because now you're going to vote for the Democrats and they're going to get their little power. Yeah. And the Republicans have people and they're going to get their little power and you're going to get riled up. Like, I want a better life. And uh, I feel yeah. like we should have control of that. Why don't we start thinking, just like after that Roe v. Wade thing, everybody crying, everybody hooping and hollering. Why don't we start to thinking, this situation is shit. What can we do ourselves to protect ourselves and to make sure that our people in our community is okay? Like, Instead I feel of like petitioning the fucking government and holding hands with the state. Like, you got to, at some point or another... Like you said, it's an abusive relationship at this point. Like, at what point do you look at that relationship and say, mm, you know what, I'm not getting the things I need. I'm not getting the things I want. I'm not getting any type of emotional uh, support back from this. Why am I still here? No, because you have to stay with him because the other man, you can only choose from two men. It's only one other man on the Even earth. Even if I choose from three men on the earth, four yeah. men, it now, don't matter. Now, both of them are so, but this one, he just, he give you presents and stuff every once in a while. But you could just be single, though, couldn't it? You could just be single. You could be single and figure out life. You have own. that third option, but you don't think about that. You're like, you, you are so caught up in love and care that you must be there. Like, we've done one on a, a rant analogy, but... but no, like, you feel like you, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your Isn't own. Isn't that really what we were talking about? Self, like, as, as people, we feel like we can't do it on our own. We, we need that protection. We need that support that really ain't support. You really just laid up with a man to say you got a man. You really just laid up with a political party to say you got a political party. Mm-hmm. You still paying on your own bills. <laughs> You're still taking yourself out to get your nails done. You're still doing all that on your own. Maybe if we talk like that, I feel like people love <laughs> they people love relationships. Like relationship stuff. stuff. If uh-huh. we just maybe that's how we gonna do it. We gonna start rebranding stuff and act like it's a relationship channel, <laughs> but be at the end be like, well, this is really an analogy. Actually, uh, this is about this is about Demi and Robert. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but anyways, we going around. But we are so thankful uh, for this uh, text. I've learned a lot. I'm sure KT has learned a lot. Mm-hmm. We've heard from y'all. Like, y'all really enjoyed the uh, series and learned a lot. Like, it's been, like, half a year of doing this. And, um, yeah. Like, hopefully we can, everybody take some tidbits of this thing and just let it continue to make you encouraged and put some fervor inside of you and let you know that we still have so much to do. Ain't no reason to be sitting down. Like, it's, it's a lot we got to do. Uh, also, if you guys have any books you'd like to recommend to us for us to read, we'll be more than happy to take that. We do have a Patreon, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us on there. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. This has been Gabby. And KT. This has been Building Our Power.